so, and I believe even more importantly than my freedom as an American is my freedom in Christ. You know, and I do have some concerns, even in light of the culture that we live, about this, is that we could actually be forfeiting some of our freedoms that Jesus paid the price for, unknowingly, but yet we could still not be experiencing all that Jesus died to give us. And so in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, I'm going to read you a verse, and this is kind of the, the, the focus, if you will, or kind of the launching pad, if you want to say it that way. He says, so that Christ has truly set us free. One translation would say it this way, is that it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. But he makes this unbelievable, powerful statement. Now he says, but now make sure that you stay free. Stay free. Don't don't give up the freedoms that Christ has given you. And he says, and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Now, you have to understand the Old Testament a little bit here to understand what this scripture is exactly saying. But in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, so everything from Matthew forward, from Genesis to Malachi, is the Old Testament. It's all about the law of God. In other words, and the law really is intended for a purpose, which is to show us that we are all broken. That's the purpose of the law. And so, but with that law also became a heavy burden of, hey, I realize that I'm jacked up. I'm realized that I can't do all of these things and all of the standards that God has, I can't do and measure up to all of those things. And so it became a very heavy burden. And that's why Paul is telling them as Christians who are now on this side of the cross, don't go back to that old way of trying to do right all the time where it becomes a burden to you. And so he says, don't get tied up again into that. And so there was this heaviness and it was, look, you can try the best that you can in the Old Testament, but you're never going to be able to do enough to make yourself right with God. It's impossible. So that was the purpose of the law. And so the, the reality is, is that the reason that Jesus came was to pay the price for our sins so that what? Now we no longer live under the burden of the law, but we actually now live in the freedom of grace. But there is another side of that, and if we're not careful, we can slip into some things, and I'll, I'll, I'll share these with you uh, this morning. But one of the things that I want you to hear today is Matthew 11 Verse 28 through 30, Jesus actually talks about this. And he says, if you're tired and worn out, if the burden of religion is heavy on you, come to me and I'm going to give you rest for your souls. And he makes the statement, he says, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. In other words, I'm not going to put anything heavy on you. The law was heavy, but what I want to give you, which is grace and mercy, is not heavy. He actually says, if you'll learn from me, you'll learn how to walk this thing out and it not be this massive burden. Let me just... Like a super honest question. How many of you have ever done a little self-evaluation and just felt bad about yourself in light of Scripture? Every one of us can say yes. Why? Because there's a standard and we all know that we're not there. Right? We've not fully accomplished these things. And so here in Galatians, I would encourage you to read Galatians 5. But it goes on. I'm going to drop down to verse 13. And it gives us this understanding. It says, for you have been called to live in freedom. You've been saved to live in freedom. It says, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. It says, instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Okay, so we talked about this last week. But just for recap, and so that we're all on the same page. And I can step into what we want to today. Let's talk about what our sin nature is. It says here that um, don't use your... Your freedom, in other words, don't use the grace of God to just do whatever your flesh wants. And so there are three natures. Sin nature is this. It's the desires of the flesh. All sin is compromised or comprised in three areas. It's the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. 
All sin will fall in those three categories. Everything. So, you know, so we can look at that and we can say, well, you know, it's these different desires. There's things that war against our soul, the Bible says. And so what happens is our sin nature is the desires of our flesh. Now, I'm going to give you some understanding here in a minute of what that means when I say uh, our flesh. But really, our sin nature, it's unchecked desires that are contrary to God's word that if we leave them unchecked, will bring destruction into our life. It will. I forgot to preface this message, by the way. This is for mature audiences, by the way. I like to tell you these things. Look, I'm just going to shoot pretty straight today. Not that I ever don't, but this will help you grow. And I don't know if you realize that, but that is the plan of salvation. It is not to stay the same. It is to grow and be molded into the image of Christ. And my responsibility is to teach you the word of God so that you can grow. And so if there's hindrances to your growth, it's my job to say, hey, pay attention, right? That's why the Bible talks about as a pastor, I'm a shepherd who watches over the flock. And so this applies to me just as much as it does to you. You know, but I do think that this is important that we understand this is that there are desires because we live in a culture right now that just says, if it feels right, it is right. But I mean, you know, not every desire you have is good. As I get older, the later I drink caffeine, the worse it's a good idea because then I can't go to sleep. I used to drink caffeine and just lay down and go to sleep. But now it's like about dinner time. I got to shut it down. If I want to go to sleep in the next six hours, I'm be laying in bed going, go to sleep. And I can't, but there's a lot of, and I say that kind of jokingly, but how many of you realize that there are desires that we have that will not produce anything good in our life? It may be good for the moment, but there will be a price later. And this is just true. Why? Because sin is destructive. It is. There's no way around that. And, and so we have to be careful that, we, and, and even this term, and I shared this last week, is we hear this in culture right now. Well, this is my truth. Well, this is my experience. Well, but your perception of your experience may not be reality either. We've all experienced this, and I don't have time to get into it, but, you know, so we have to be careful to not let our desires, our emotions, our feelings, what, forfeit the freedoms that we have in Christ. And so I shared this last week, but I, just so that we're all kind of, tracking on the same point is that there, there's something you have to understand that's foundational about your life with God. And this helps you understand all of scripture and even understanding how to take scripture and, and how to apply it to your life. And it's that you're a three part being. And it's important that you understand which one you are and which one you have, because there's a difference. You are a spirit. Before you ever had a body, you were a spirit. Before you ever breathe your first breath, you are already, your spirit, man, God had already created. It is the eternal part of you. It's the part that was before you were born, and it will be the part that exists after you're gone. It's eternal. It's the, it's the innermost being, the Bible calls it. So we are a spirit. We have a soul, which is our mind, our will, our emotions. It's our reasonings. It's our thoughts. It's all of these things that get expressed and we live in a body. Paul said that this body is like a tent. And at some point we will lay this tent aside. And so, but we also have to understand, so we understand we are a spirit, we have a soul, we live in a body. But there's also three phases of salvation. 
Because if we're not careful, we can preach a gospel that says Jesus just fixes everything. We tell people that. And then they get saved, they commit their life to the Lord, and they're like, my problems are still here. Like, I might be a little bit better, but man, I've still got lots of problems. I thought Jesus was just going to erase everything. There's three phases to salvation, which also coincide to the three parts of who you are. You are a spirit. You're, if you've surrendered your heart to Jesus, if you've asked for the forgiveness of your sins, the Bible says that you've been recreated in Christ. You have all of salvation right now in your spirit, man. You also have your soul, which is being saved. So you are saved, you're being saved, and your flesh ain't redeemed at all. There's, your flesh is selfish, it wants what it wants, and it wants it like two minutes ago. There's, and the Bible says that we will, what this body will be, it says that mortality will be swallowed up in life. And we will get a, 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 this, this new body. Whether we pass away or Jesus returns, before I go to heaven, I get an upgrade. Praise the Lord. It's important. So along with this, we also have three natures. So you're a three-part being. There's three phases of salvation. But we all have three natures right now. And no amount of confessing God's word, no amount of anything is going to change this fact. Because this is where we are right now. So there's three natures is I have a redeemed nature. Notice the life of God is on the inside of me. It wants to, to come in line with God's word. Why? Because it wants to lead me towards the freedom that Christ has purchased for me. That's my spirit, man. I have a renewing nature. That's my mind, my will, my emotions. There are some thoughts that I have that I need scripture to challenge me on so that I will change. Now, I know that word change isn't, we always like, I don't like change. Let me say it another way. When my mind is renewed, I'll grow. If my mind stops being renewed, I will stop growing. And Jesus didn't save me for a one-time moment. He saved me for a lifetime of growth. And so we never plateau. And if we do plateau, it's because we've gotten to a place that we become comfortable. And we're comfortable with who we are, where we are. We've just kind of, and guess what happens in that moment? Spiritual life becomes very stagnant very quickly. Because why? That's just going back to old, an old way. It's just religion at that point. And so the last one is is that we have a sin nature. So you have a redeemed nature, a renewing nature, and a sin nature, which is our flesh. And here's the thing. We can choose at any moment which one of these we're going to live out of. At any moment, we can choose. I mean, we can be in the spirit one moment and be in the flesh the very next second. Just boop, boop. We can bounce in and out. We can get all caught up in our emotions, and your spirit man will be like, don't say that. I don't know how many of you ever experienced that. I hear that a lot from the Holy Spirit. He's like, zip it. Just because you think it don't mean you should say that. And and so we have to understand this. So we can choose which nature that we want to live by. But you have to understand, anytime that we give into the flesh, there's consequences. There are. And we we have to be willing to understand that, that God has saved us for freedom. He has saved us not so that we could just be a a little bit better version of who we were before Jesus. He came so that we would be completely new and being continually renewed. And so this is important to understand. And so we can live beyond what we can see. And this is important and this is a heart thing. You know, you will never actually experience the life of Christ beyond 
what you can see in your own heart? In other words, if you've got an area that you struggle in, if you identify, well, this is just who I am, until you get a better picture of what Jesus saved you for, you will always struggle in that area. Proverbs 23, 7 says this, as a man thinks in his heart, let me say it this way, as the picture that you have of yourself is the standard that you will live up to. Because he says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he will be. Now, this is not talking about, and I'm not talking about being perfect. None of us can be perfect. That's not at all. But it is critical about who we identify with. Do I identify by my natural leanings, my personality, or do I really identify by who I am in Christ as a new creation? Behold, all old things have passed away. What All things have become new. What am I going to identify with? Because which one I identify with is the one that's in the driver's seat. But only one of the three is going to lead me towards actual freedom in Christ. There is no other way around this. And so what we identify with is actually the critical decision that we make as believers, as followers of Christ, as to how we live. Now, what I don't want you to do today is that we can go too far in this. Because we can become very aware of our shortcomings and then all of a sudden we identify by our shortcomings. But that doesn't line up with Scripture. So, and we would use the terminology this way, is that you can become overly sin conscious. Let me say it this way. You can become too aware of your own sin and it will ruin the freedom that Christ has purchased for you. Because you're so focused on that, you're not actually thinking or even considering the price that has been paid for you. It is about us growing and moving forward. And so, you know, but so I, I don't want us to get into a place where we are sin conscious, but I do have a concern as a pastor, as somebody who's to a degree, if you want to say it this way, that I'm responsible to the Lord for you, that we can begin to dismiss and excuse areas of our life that the Holy Spirit is convicting us about. And that puts us in a dangerous place. It can. And so I don't want us to live in those places. Why? Because anytime that we walk in areas and look, and I don't have to tell you what yours are. You already know. Why? Because you have the the very spirit of God, the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. And the Bible says that when you come to truth, that truth will set you free. He is the spirit of truth on the inside of you. And here's the thing that I have found. Anytime that the Holy Spirit highlights something in my life, he also gives me the power to overcome it. Doesn't mean that there's not a walk or a process to see that happen. Sometimes it's instantaneous. When I got saved, there were certain things that just disappeared. And there have been other things that I've walked as a process over time and got freedom in. Say, well, why is that? I'm not God. I don't know. There were some things the desires were just taken. And there were other things that lingered in my life. And if if you really want my honest opinion, it's because I want them. Jesus will take anything I'll give him. I know it's super quiet. I'm just going to say that you're just thinking about what I've just communicated to you. See, this, this spiritual walk, we're all on a journey. It's, perfection is not the goal. Jesus has already been perfect for us, but it is about growing, taking steps forward in our faith. I know this is a pretty unpopular topic 
in our culture, but the Bible speaks a lot about holiness. Holiness is not perfection, but it also mean, doesn't mean that we don't try. Is that salvation is a cooperation, and let me say it this way, even how much heaven that we're going to experience on earth has to do with our cooperation with, with the Holy Spirit's work in our life. And it's important that we understand these things. You know, Jesus didn't go to the disciples and just say, hey, come and follow me for a minute. He said, forsake everything and come and be with me. Come and walk with me and see. And and we have to understand that Jesus didn't just call us in a moment to get saved. He called us to a journey. And it's a faith walk with him and it's a process of time. That we have to understand. And so, yes, we, we believe that Jesus can change everything. But this is what I have experienced and what I know to be true from Scripture is that he can only help us grow in the areas in which we give him. God will not take anything from us. He will only take what we give him. It's important that we understand this. Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to read a couple of verses here. Uh, verses 16 and 8 through 18. It says, as you yield fully or freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, he says, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. He's talking about your sin nature there. So when we learn to what? To submit or to surrender to the Holy Spirit, those desires for all these things that actually war against our soul, they'll actually lose their power. It says, for your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit and hinder him from living free within you. And it's the Holy Spirit's intense craving or intense cravings hinder your old self, a life dominated or a self-life from dominating you. See, if we're not careful, we can actually, our sin nature, because we never want to acknowledge it. Nobody wants to acknowledge like, hey, I got issues. Let me just help you. We all do. There's not a perfect person in, in this room. And if you're perfect, please get up right now. I will gladly go sit down. None of us are perfect. But the good news is, is that we are redeemed. We do have a savior who has paid the price for every sin, past, present, and future. So the the goal is not that, but we do need to what? That old man, the Bible says, you got to tell you a joke. One time, so my family, I've talked a lot about this. One time, though, my, we were on vacation or something. My family was all together. and We were joking about my dad and his change and all the things through our life and blah, blah, blah. My dad, you know, he's like, oh, that old man, he's dead. And my sister made the joke. She goes, yeah, but sometimes he pokes his head up and we got to chop him back down, you know. And, uh, and, but there's some truth in that. I mean, Paul said, I crucify my flesh. Why? Because he understood the damage it could do left unchecked. And every one of us, nobody is too redeemed to not have flesh. We all have these moments. We have a soul. We have emotions and all these things that go on. And so the Apostle Paul keeps writing here. He says, so then the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the spirit says, but when you are brought into full freedom of the spirit of grace, you no longer or you will no longer be living under the domination of the law, but you'll be soaring above it. See, the Old Testament was all about what can you do in the flesh? Well, flesh is flawed. 
And here he says, when you, when you come into agreement, when you learn how to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, you're going to rise above it. These scriptures go on here. I'm going to change uh, it to the New Living Translation just because I like it's a little clear. But he says in verse 19, he says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful desires, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and all other sins like these. That's a mouthful. I thought I could do it in one breath. I was kind of questioning there. He says, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. It says, but, verse 22 says, but the Holy Spirit produces... Or you can say it this way, is the results of the Holy Spirit's influence is this kind of fruit in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Why do you need self-control? Because you have a flesh. And the Holy Spirit will help keep your flesh in check when we listen. He says there is no law of, against these things. He says those who belong to Christ have nailed the passions and the desires of their sinful nature to the cross. And they've crucified them there. But we have to keep these things in check. We can't just let them run wild and be crazy. And the thing is, is that we, you know, and here's the thing that I want you to know. And it's very important to understand this, is that many times when we get convicted, we can actually feel bad. Well, that's condemnation. That comes from the devil. Conviction comes from the Lord. And, but we can feel bad and even get discouraged at times because we're like, man, I missed the mark again. Like I'm still struggling with this same stupid thing and I keep getting tripped up and, and, and it just becomes very frustrating. But how many of you realize that conviction is actually a good thing? And we should actually look at it as a very good thing. Why? Because it's saying that my spirit is still responsive to the Lord. We're in danger anytime that we lose conviction. Because that means my heart has begun to become hardened to God's truth. Well, what sets me free? God's truth. And so we ought to look. I mean, we ought to rejoice when we get convicted about something. Lord, thank you that I can sense your correction. Why? Because the Bible says if he doesn't correct us, he doesn't love us. This is important to understand this. So we ought to be very thankful when we do get convicted, and again, I'll say it again, anytime there's conviction, I believe, and I could show you this from Scripture multiple places, that the power of God is present to help you in that area. God doesn't just say, hey, clean up this mess. I'll be back in two days. You better be fixed and do all. Why? Because he knows we can't. But what he does say is, I've given you my Holy Spirit who can empower you to overcome anything in your life. Hebrews chapter 12 talks about this and it says to lay aside all the sin and the weights. Not everything that hinders us from doing and experiencing what God has for us is necessarily just out and out sin. But there's convictions in your heart. I talked about this last week. Romans 14, 23. If you know to do what is right and you don't do it, that's a sin. So you got a conviction of your heart. You say, hey, I can't do that. It's your conscience. It's your spirit, man. But we can take that on as a burden. I read this scripture to you last week as well, but I want to—I felt like I needed to, to touch on it again today. It says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21 through 24, it says, Since you've heard the news about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, he says, throw off your old sinful nature, your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception, 
It says, instead, let the spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes and put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Throw off one garment, throw off one nature and put on a new nature. Think of like a coat, which right now I know it's hot outside, but think of a coat. You chose even the clothes you have on. You chose the shirt you put on today. And here it's saying, choose the shirt you want to wear. Which one are you going to identify with? Are you going to identify with that old man that's corrupted by lust and deception, all these other things? Are you going to put on this new nature renewed by the Holy Spirit because the life and the power of God is on the inside of us so that we can live in freedom and not lose it? And he says that we're to put on this new nature. Why? Because that new nature leads us towards holiness. Now, there's a, a quote that I'm sure I've shared before, but, and this is just, it's just a true statement, is that God loves us just the way we are, but he also loves us too much to leave us that way. God, you are fully a thousand percent accepted right now. But just because God accepts us doesn't mean that he says, I'm going to leave you just like that. You're perfect. He loves us too much. To leave us there. Why? Because those areas are destroying our life. It's not because he's a mean God. It's because he's a loving God. And he says, this is doing damage and I want to protect you. Now, the enemy will try to come in and try to put a burden on us and be like, oh, man, you got to keep this, this whole, you got you to measure up. No, Jesus measured up. All I have to do is to look to him. And I just ask for the Holy Spirit to help me. None of us will ever be perfect, but we have to renew. We have to allow this new nature to come in. So how do we do this? It's really not complicated. It's really not. It, 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 it can be to a degree, but it's only complicated when we make it. That's what's amazing to me about Scripture, is that Scripture actually isn't complicated. It's pretty clear. We can try to complicate it, but it's really not that complicated. I mean, we were created to know God. We were created to have a relationship with him. Not just in head knowledge, but in spirit, like on the inside. Like there's a confirmation on the inside of us. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit is the one who actually affirms our salvation, that it's real. But there's also an element of, hey, God wants us to live free. Like I don't want to get to heaven and be like, holy cow, I had no idea this is what this was like. And then Jesus look at me and be like, I had this for you on earth. It, it was available to you. You didn't have to come to heaven to get this. Now, I'm not saying that we can get to a place where it's just heaven on earth. That ought to be the goal. And I want to get as close to that as possible. But how many things are we allowing the enemy to bring into our life? And sometimes we blame the devil for stuff that's not the devil, by the way. It's our flesh. And we want to blame him and be like, the devil made me do it. No, you made you do it. The devil may have set the trap, but you took the bait. I mean, think of hunting. Never seen a deer shoot himself. There was a, a hunter, right? 
And sometimes if we're not careful, we will just keep blaming the devil, keep blaming the devil. Well, as long as we blame him, guess what we don't have to do? We don't have to take responsibility. And again, this isn't condemnation, I promise you. We live under grace and mercy. Why? Because we need it. God is faithful. In James chapter 1, I'm going to read this out of, well, a couple, I'm going to read this first, verse 21, I'm going to read out of the Passion. And this is our instruction from Scripture. How many of you know that Scripture is not a suggestion? We call them commandments for a reason. If you're unclear about what a commandment is, come and talk to me after service, and I will define that a little more for you. The Bible says that we've been bought with the price. We are no longer our own. But God in his wisdom is way smarter than me. And he's way smarter than you. And so I have to be willing to, to take what he, what the truth of Scripture and apply that to my life so that I can be who God has created me to be. And that's not just in function or in my role as a pastor because before I'm a pastor, I'm a child of God. So I have to take this same scripture and apply it to my life the same way that you have to take this scripture and apply it to your life. It's not enough to just hear it. We're about to read this. James chapter 1, the instructions come and it says, We abandon everything morally impure and all forms of wicked conduct. It says instead with a sensitive spirit. That goes back to that having conviction. How do you know if you have a sensitive spirit? Are you being convicted about anything? If not... If it's been a little while since you asked me, you might need to do, you know, pop the hood, check under the hood. Make sure everything's all right. Why? Because God is speaking. So he says, instead, with a sensitive spirit, another way to say it is with an open spirit to the Lord, not to everything, but to the Lord. He says, we continue to absorb God's word, which is implanted within our nature. Remember, you have three natures. The word of God is implanted into your nature nature your spirit man wants to line up with scripture your mind your emotions they're up for grabs who's going to dominate your spirit or your flesh well you want to get your spirit man stronger how do you do that you put the word of god into your heart i'll just give you a very practical example of this i got saved at 17 how many of you know that 17 year old boys can have some Lustful thoughts. I had, I wrote them up. I got a bunch of scriptures about lust. Because I knew that was one of those things that did not go away just because I made Jesus the Lord of my life. Would have been great, but that's just not what happened. So how did I renew my nature? Because my flesh still had desires. My spirit, man, wanted something totally different. My spirit man wanted holiness. My flesh is like, do what you want. And my mind, my, my emotions, my thought processes. So every day, every morning and every night when I woke up and before I went to sleep, I had a list of scriptures that I would quote, confess out loud every day, twice a day. I put them in my truck. I had them in my room. And I stood upon those scriptures and I confessed those scriptures over my life until my behaviors began to line up. It wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But it was the word of God that changed me, not me. 
And so many times we're trying to change us. We're trying to grow to a level and it's the word of God implanted into our nature that actually changes us. It actually says, it continues, it says, for the word of God has power to continually deliver us. The word salvation is also a word for deliver. God has delivered us. The word of God is powerful enough in and of itself. It is a seed that is sown that will produce in our life when we, what? When we put it into our nature. It goes on here in verse 21. I'm going to switch to the new living again. And it says, so get rid of all the, well, this is verse 21, same verse, just different translation. It says, so get rid of all the filth and the evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God that is planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your soul. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says the word of God is living and active. It's not words on a page. It's the spirit of God that speaks to us to help us to grow. And without a proper understanding of God's word, you will be limited to the growth that you can achieve with Christ. You can grow to a point, but you will come to a stopping point. And anywhere that we're ignorant of the word of God, and ignorant does not mean stupid. Ignorant means you just don't know. Here's the good news about ignorance. Anybody can overcome ignorance. You just got to learn. So if I don't know what the Bible says, I'm ignorant about it. So how do I find out what the Bible says? Go read your Bible. Here's a good little tip. Anytime you're reading scripture and that verse kind of stands out for some reason, just stop and say, Holy Spirit, why does that stand out? And listen. You may be done with your Bible reading for the day because the Holy Spirit may start talking to you. He'll give understanding about why that verse stuck out. And you may have read it a hundred times, but today that verse stuck out for a reason. There's a reason that it stuck out. Ask the Holy Spirit. He is our teacher. It goes on. It says, don't just listen to God's word. It says you must do what it says. Don't just listen. Do it. It says, otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. Let me break it down a little bit. If you come to church, listen to what people say, and then you leave and never do it, the Bible says you're fooling yourself to think it's going to produce anything. Let me say it another way. It's not my fault. My responsibility is to preach with, to the best of my ability, the clarity of God's word to you. It's your job to apply it. So I have a, a part. I can't make my kids do anything. I try. Well, I can't make you do anything either. What I can do is to tell you what the word of God says in the hopes that you'll take it and apply it. And that it will produce the life that the Bible says that it will. It says you must do what you say, what it says, or you're only fooling yourself. He says, for you listen to the word, but you don't obey it. He said, so when you do this, it's like glancing at, at your face in the mirror. See, the Bible is actually a, supposed to be a mirror that we see ourselves. Not in the way you think. Like we don't come to the mirror to see how we're jacked up and messed up. No, the Bible is the mirror that we come in. It says, this is who I can be. So we come to church and you may even hear me preach. You say, man, I wish that could be me. It is the word of God showing you who you can be. That's why it's not condemnation. It's conviction to say, hey, it's time to grow in this area of your life. 
So it goes on here and it says, you see yourself and you walk away and you forget what you look like. Not your physical appearance, but the Bible says that I can overcome all things. Why? Because the greater one lives on the inside of me. So there's nothing greater in front of me than what's on the inside of me. There's nothing that I can't overcome. Doesn't mean that it may not, that it's going to be just in that moment or instantaneous. Sometimes it is. And we love to tell those testimonies. We don't like to tell those 10 year old testimonies. I mean, we've had some habits that have lingered so long. They're like a house pet. They're just there. And we just kind of pet it every now and then. Oh, the scripture here says is that when we come to God's word, it's a mirror of who we can and God wants us to be. He says, yeah, we can come and look at it, walk away, and we can forget completely. Here, here's who God wants me to be. It, says, it goes on, it says, if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free. The perfect law. Remember earlier we talked about the law that was burdensome? This is a different law. Jesus said that he came to establish a new law or a new covenant on better promises. So here it says that the perfect law sets us free. Well, what is that? It's grace. It's mercy. It's understanding that Jesus paid the price for me. And that sets me free because I don't have to fix me. It goes on. It says, if you do what it says, if you follow scripture and you live your life according to scripture and don't forget what you've heard, God will bless you for doing it. So we all have areas of our life. That we may struggle in. It may be momentary. It may be lengthy. Everything that is contrary to God's word in our life, Jesus has already paid the price for. And I don't need to be identified with it. And if you identify by your struggle, you're in trouble. I need to identify with Christ and what he's done for me. And you need to identify with what Christ has done for you. Not excusing my sin. I want to be convicted. I want to be broken by my shortcomings. I definitely don't want to excuse them. And I don't want to be dismissive of them. That's what the enemy would love me to do. Because why? He's got a foothold into my life. He's got the key to the back door. I want to take the key from him. Well, how do I do that? It's by putting God's word into my life. I put it over and over and over. I meditate on it. I think about it. Why? Because the word of God will produce when I allow it to. When I give it the space and the time to move in my life, God's word will work every time. And so I want to encourage you this morning. I realize that, you know, I mean, I know I gave him a little disclaimer. But I don't want you to leave heavy hearted today. And I shared the same verse last week and I'll share it again. It comes out of 1 John 1, 9. It's a fairly familiar passage of scripture, but I want to highlight something because what can happen is, is that even as believers, many times our past can become the thing that we really look to and that we identify with regularly. And we're ashamed of our past. I have a past just like everybody else. And I'm not proud of my past, but I do boast about the grace of God. Because God's grace wasn't just greater than my sin and my shortcoming. God's grace actually makes those things that the devil intended to harm me 
turns them into good. And the Bible says, and I'm about to read this to you, that he will even cleanse my conscience. So when I talk about my story and I talk about who I have been, you know, my testimony is an ongoing testimony. It's a story that's being written. It's not something that happened 24 or 25 years ago. I have to do the math exactly. It's a story of the grace of God over 20 plus years. And right now it still says to be continued at the end. Author not finished. God is still writing in my story. God still wants to write in your story. And it doesn't matter if there's been some blank pages or a pause since the last time it's been written. in. It can start back today. And you don't have to be burdened by your past. You cover it and it gets washed away. Completely cleansed. The burden and the weight and the shame of your past does not have to dictate your future. Here in 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we claim to have no sin, he says, we're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. He says, but if we confess our sins to him, all sins, any sins, any time, not one time, any time, every time, if we confess our sins to him, the Bible says that he is faithful to forgive us of our sins. I love this part. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Who I was is not who I am. I've, been, I've not just been forgiven. I've been cleansed. I've been washed away. And that's a process that has to continue to happen. The Bible says... If we have sin, all we have to do is confess it. Sin just means, hey, I've missed the mark. There's a standard, yes, but I've missed it. But all we have to do is just come to the Lord. That's what salvation is all about. I said this last week, and I'll I'll say it again, is that the same prayer that you got saved praying is the same prayer that you could pray every day. Lord, today I surrender my heart to you. I confess that you're the Lord of my life. I ask you to forgive me of the sins of yesterday. And I'm going to get a head start on today. I'm going to ask you to forgive me for my stupidness today. I thank you that you're leading and guiding me today. And today I acknowledge that I need you. I don't know what's coming today, but I already know I'm going to need you. I submit my life to you today. We could pray it every day. Might be a good habit just to get you in the mindset. You're like, man, how do I keep this in front of me? Start praying something like that every day. Every morning. So, man, before I even get started in my day, Lord, I just want to surrender my day to you. You're the Lord of my life. I'm not in charge. You're in control. You tell me what to do. My answer is yes, sir. And so today I want to lead us in a prayer.